today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this great church. And Father, as I submit myself under your word and by your spirit, I thank you that every word will carry weight and power to change our lives. I declare for faith to come. I declare, Father, for our lives to get better. Most of all, I declare for people to come into your kingdom like never before. And so I give you thanks and praise for all that you're going to do in advance. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm starting a new series just for the next few weeks entitled, Are You Ready? Now just look at your neighbor and say, Are You Ready? Now some of you all may wonder, what do I mean by being ready? I may be saying, are you ready to stop cussing? I may be talking about, are you ready to stop lying? I may be asking, are you ready to stop smoking weed? <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm teaching on a subject that most people probably have never heard been taught in church, and that is on death. This is an area that most people don't even want to talk about. But the unfortunate thing is we're all going to die one day. So if you've ever been taught on death, that's fine. But here's my thing. If you've had any questions about it, then whatever has happened, whether a person has died that you know or where does a person go when they commit suicide, I get many questions about that. Uh, can a Christian lose their salvation? Uh, whatever it is, it'll be answered in this short series. So my goal is to make sure that you are spiritually, mentally, and financially ready whenever your time comes to move from this life on. Can I get an amen from the church? So find the book of Genesis chapter 1, look in verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, and then we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That was Genesis 1, 26, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look in verse 20. Now, uh, I really want you to put your thinking caps on this morning because what I'm going to be sharing with you, you're going to have to think through it, okay? Uh, this is not going to cater to your emotions. This is going to cater to your spirit man and your intellect. Now, I've discovered something. Ask me what I've discovered. I've discovered that many people want to go to heaven when they die, but no one is in a hurry to get there. I know we sing about heaven and we talk about heaven, but most people are not ready to go right now. I heard a story about a lady who died and went to heaven and when she got there, Peter was up there greeting her. And uh, he said, hey, you must take a test before you, I let you in. She said, well, what kind of test? He said, a, a spelling test. She said, well, what word do I need to spell to get in? He said, any word you choose. So she chose the word love. She spelled it L-O-V-E. And he said, correct. Come on into heaven. He says, hey, I need to go run an errand. 
can you stay here and whoever comes up next do the same thing to them? Well, it just so happened her ex-husband died. So he's standing in front of her and she says, uh, welcome to heaven. She said, before I can let you in, you must take a test. He said, well, what kind of test? She said, a spelling test. And he said, well, what word do I need to spell? And she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> How many know he didn't make it in? <laughs> the goal of this series is to educate you on God's perspective about death, provide you with some spiritual and practical principles that you can apply to your life today. Also, I want to make sure that all of us are ready when the time comes, whether it's a loved one or whether it's us. Now, listen to this. I, you may know some of what I'm going to say. You're not going to know all of what I'm going to say. But here's what I've discovered again. I was listening to an old school song this week that I probably heard a thousand times. And do you believe I heard a note, because I'm a musician, I heard a note in the song that I had never heard after hearing the song at least a thousand times. Let me say this, you don't really know what I'm teaching until you can teach somebody else what I'm teaching you. Amen. Amen. So, I have two points for you today, and I want you to write them down if you're taking notes. Here's the first point, and I would encourage you to get this CD and pass it on to other people. The first point is that death is God's enemy. Death is God's enemy. Say this with me. Say, death is God's enemy. And, and I know many times we go to funerals and we hear things like this, God called Uncle Jimmy home. Well, think about this. If Uncle Jimmy is a child of God, that's like saying that God killed one of his children just so they can come and see him. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you kill one of your kids just for them to see you? No. Well, guess what? God does not kill people. The resume of the devil is to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you find those three things working in somebody's life, it is not God working. It is the work of the enemy. Amen. So death is not God's enemy. But here's my question. How did all this start in Genesis chapter 1? Look, look in verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image... After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, watch this, in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And he said he was making us in his image. Now write down John chapter 4 verse 24 because it tells us what the image of God is. And that's why, you know, we get caught up with color, but God has no color. John 4:24 says this, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the image that God made man in was the image of spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I gave you that verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death started with Adam. 
Death started with Adam. We're still talking about death as God's enemy. I'm going to prove to you from the Bible today that death is an enemy of God. 1 Corinthians 15, look in verse 21. I'm going to read verse 21 first, then I'm going to jump back up to verse 20, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 26. It says, for since by who? Man, I'm in verse 21. For since by who? Man came what? Death. Watch this now. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam, how many died? All died. Even so, in Christ shall how many? All be made what? Verse 20 now. But now in Christ, risen from the dead, and became the first fruits of them that sleep. Verse 26. The last enemy. Everybody say the last enemy. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Now notice he said it shall be destroyed, which means that he has not completely destroyed it yet. Are you with me so far? Everybody say, death is God's enemy. And see, this is why you may have never read this verse, but in Psalm 116 verse 15, you can write it down. This is what it says. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Now that word precious, when you look it up, it means costly. So what that means is it costs God every time he loses a son or a daughter. And let me tell you why. Because he uses us to bring people into the kingdom. So once he's lost one of his children, now that's one less person that we can reach for Jesus Christ. Can you see now why death is an enemy to God? Because when one of his children do die in the natural, now we lose the ability to make a witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. Now go back to Genesis. Go back to Genesis. We're going to look in chapter 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. See, here's what I've discovered. Many people know what Adam did, but they don't know what actually happened after he did it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Just touch your neighbor and say, put on your thinking caps. Genesis 2.15. Watch this now. It says, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. He gave him a job. Amen. You need a job before you have a wife. If you meet a man and he doesn't have a job, give him a rain check. Let me just say this. You know, I throw practical stuff in here too. If you meet a man and he has no job when you meet him and you marry that man and he may be working when you marry him, then in his mind he feels it's okay if you don't, if he never works, because you accepted him that way. Okay. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat of it, for in the day, everybody underline the day, in the day that you eat it, you shall surely what? Die. Now, look in chapter 3 of Genesis. Go to Genesis 3. Look in chapter 3. Look in verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He's a liar. For God knows that in the day, write that, underline that, the day, the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be as God's, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes 
And the tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took it and she did eat it. Now, I want you to just notice the process because, see, women and men are different. Men are moved by their sight. You say, well, she was moved by what she saw. No, no, no. He talked to her first. You want to get to a lady? Just talk right here. You want to get to a man? Just put something right in front of him. We talking about death this morning. <laughs> So then verse 7 says, and the eyes of both of them were open and they, were, they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. <clears throat> and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. And the Lord called Adam and he said, where are you? And he says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? Notice God is just trying to get a confession out of him. When you mess up, don't act like you just gone about your business. Just say, Lord, I messed up. That's all he wants, a confession from you. But I have a question for you. What happened to Adam and Eve on that day? Remember I told you to underline that day? Because he says, in the day that you eat it, you will die. What actually happened to them? Well, from verse 7, everything about Adam and Eve shifted from being spiritual to natural. Let me just show you man's makeup. Maybe they can put this on the screen. Man is made up of three parts. Here's the first part. Man was made up of spirit. Say spirit. spirit. Now, now, remember he said he would make man in whose image? In his image. Now, we know that God is a spirit. Now, image, watch this now. This is going to be tricky. Image means like something but not that something. I'm going to say that again. Image means like something, not that something. What do you mean? When I look in the mirror, I'm seeing myself, but it's not really me. The me is what's making that image come forth, but the mirror ain't me. Are you with me? In other words, when God made us in his image, he made us in spirit like him. So watch this now. When he made us, Everybody say heart. In the New Testament, it talks a lot about our heart. It does in the Old Testament too. The heart part of us, which is where we believe, which is the real you, that's the spirit part of you. The Bible calls it the heart. And that's why in the New Testament it says, for we, you know, when we get saved, it says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from dead, you shall be saved. So salvation takes place when we believe in our heart, which is the spirit part of us. So this is how it works. When God gets ready to communicate with us, when we get saved as born again believers, born again means I had to be born one way first. So I get born in the natural, and then in order for me to Except to get saved, I have to get born again. When I accept Jesus Christ, he comes in. Watch this now. The Holy Spirit comes in and lives, watch this now, inside of my heart. So now when God gets ready to speak to me, he don't need to speak to me necessarily from the outside. He's going to speak to me from the inside. And that's how he was speaking to Adam. But when Adam messed up, it contaminated his heart with sin God couldn't speak to him from the inside no more. That's why when he heard his voice, he was afraid. He went and hid himself because he heard his voice from the outside for the first time in his life. Now, I can't imagine what the voice of God sounded like then. Now, so we have spirit. Everybody say spirit. 
Then you have soul life. Now go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Now I'm about to throw some of you all a curve. You may think you know this, but you probably don't know this. See, we think that, uh, you know, have you ever heard somebody, you saw somebody maybe in a casket or somebody say, that's, you know, that's a, uh, uh, that soul is not, is not alive or that soul is gone? Well, soul really means natural life, breath life. And that's what allows you to think. That gives you life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Watch how he gave him life. He breathed into his nostrils, read it with me, the breath of life. Come on, class. The breath of life. And then it says, and man became a what? When did man become a living soul? When God breathed into him. Now, go to Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 20. Because I'm about to show you something that you probably didn't know. Animals have breath life. See, what makes us different than animals? Because how many believe animals can think? Raise your hand. Okay. I mean, ask your dog. He can think. How many know animals can have emotions? They can get mad and bite you. How many got bit by a dog before? Emotions. In other words, animals have breath life. Let me show you something here. They have souls, but they don't have spirits. So I hate to tell you, Tiger, your little puppy, he ain't going to heaven. I know he was a good dog and everything, but he's not going. <laughs> I'll pray for you for healing after service, all right? <laughs> Watch what it says in verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving, what's the next word? Creature. That word creature is the same Hebrew word for soul. He was saying, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Let the moving soul that has life and file that they may fly. Look at verse 21. It says, and God created the whales and every living, what's the next word? Creature. The word creature there is the same word soul. So even animals have breath life. Watch this now. Then here's the third part of man. Body. We've talked about spirit. We talked about soul. Now we're talking about body. What is the body? This is what carries a person's natural life and spiritual man. That's why you can't complete the assignment on your life if your body breaks down. And this is why, everybody say next week. Next week, one of the things I'm going to show you is the reasons why some people die before their time. Because you can die before your time. Now, let me just give you a little hint. One of the ways that you can die before your time is if you don't take care of the body that God has given you. Once the body breaks down, once it's corrupted, it doesn't have the strength or power to maintain the spirit and the breath life that God put in you. So once the body's gone, everything else has to leave. Are y'all with me so far? So here's point number two as we close. Jesus overcame death. First of all, we just discovered that death was God's enemy. So don't ever say anymore, uh, God called Uncle Jimmy home. It was just Uncle Jimmy passed. But if it was up to God, we'd be on here all day. But see, Adam messed us up. And I'm going to show you something about what happened with Adam that's going to blow your mind. First Corinthians. Go to First Corinthians chapter 15. Are you learning something this morning? 
1 Corinthians 15, look in verse 20. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. That's what we celebrated Easter about. And he became the first fruits, watch this now, of them that sleep. Notice that Jesus is described as the first to be raised from the dead but never died again. See, there are other people in the Bible that was raised from the dead before Jesus got there. In the Old Testament, people got raised from the dead. Uh, Elijah raised up a little boy from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from, from the dead. He raised a little girl from the dead. But here's the difference between Jesus and them. When they got raised from the dead, they died again. When he got raised from the dead, he did not die again. The Bible says he's ever living up there in heaven making intercession for us. He will not die again. And that's what makes him different than any other religion or anything else. Buddha, Muhammad, they all dead. Once Jesus was raised from the grave, he never went back. Now, I'm going to teach you, too, on what happened when he went to the grave. I'm going to ask you a question that you may not have known. Did you know when Jesus died, he went to hell? Most people don't see that. They just think he went in the tomb, he just laid there for three days, and then God raised him. No, 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 no. no. See, because the wages of sin is death. Okay? So he had to go to hell because that was where our destination was without him. So everything that we would have had to go through, he had to go through. So he went down to hell just for us. So if he went to hell for us, why do you want to go? Amen. I heard a, a story about a, a three guys that, that went to heaven. And uh, this is just a joke. Touch your neighbor and say it's just a joke. Uh, and uh, when they got up there, uh, Peter said, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mansions are not ready. Uh, and so he got permission from God. Hey, God, can I send them down to hell and let them stay there for a minute until we get everything together? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And it was three guys. It was, a, it was a Catholic priest. It was a construction worker. And it was a charismatic preacher. And so after about a week or so, the devil called God and said, God, can you hurry up and come get these guys from down here? He was like, why? He says, well, the Catholic priest is, is forgiving everybody. The construction worker has already made air condition down here. And then the, the charismatic preacher raised all the money for the air condition. You need to get them out of here. <laughs> Watch this now. Verse 21. It says, for since by man came death. Who was that man? That man was Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, circle that word in. For in Adam, watch this now, all die. Notice it doesn't say died. It just says die. And here is why. You can be born that way, but you don't have to stay that way. See, Everybody who's born in this world, they are born under the Adam nature. 
Just like you look like your mom and, you know, you have your mom's blood. Everybody, believe it or not, I know we all different colors and races, but we all came from the first two people, Adam and Eve. God put in Adam the ability, the genetic structure that, watch this, he could have all kind of kids. That's how the different, okay, remember they made the Tower of Babel and they separated them. God just put a different language in everybody. Well, they went according to how they looked and God just made sure that all the people that had slanted eyes spoke Chinese. I'm telling you how it was. Listen, I, I saw on the internet the other day where a white couple had a white, they had twins, a white kid and a black kid. That is possible. You know why? Because there's a genetic structure that God put in man. So, Watch this now. This is good because in Adam I'll die. You don't have to stay died in that nature. It says, even so in Christ, underline that word in, in Christ shall all, say all, all be made alive. Mm, mm, mm. Here is the issue with mankind. People who are not in Christ die in Adam. I'm going to say it this way. People who are not in Christ die in Adam's original sin state. Can you see why it's so important to have Jesus Christ in your life? I mean, he's there to make your life better, but he wants to pull you out of that Adam state that we were in. Look in verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits afterwards, they that are Christ are at his coming. Watch verse 24. This is interesting. I'm about to throw you another curve. Are you listening this morning? He says, then comes the end. This is talking about the end of the world. Now, I'm not going to get into that part of the theology, but I am going to point something out here. It says, then comes the end when he, Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to who? Notice there is a protocol in order to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, listen, when the end comes, Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom back to God. Watch this. Even the Father, when he shall have put, Jesus have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Now stop right there. And I just want you to write down Matthew chapter. You know what? We're going to go there. Let me finish reading. It says, for he, Jesus, must reign till he has put all enemies... Under his feet. Watch this. The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? Now go over to Matthew 28 as we close with this. Matthew 28. I'm going to show you something that's going to be very powerful here. Because here's what I love about what Jesus has done. Once you receive him into your heart and you accept him as your personal savior, your spiritual life changed, but your natural life is up to you now. See, that's why the Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you and I need to be to be successful, watch this, is rolled up into what Jesus did for us. Amen. Watch Matthew 28. Now, remember, we just read that Jesus had to put down all power. You say, well, how did he get all power? Look, look in verse, 20, uh, verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountains where Jesus had appointed them. Now, this is after Jesus had died and rose again. He came back down to the earth and the 11 disciples. So this means this is Peter and the rest of them. It says 11 because Judas had hung himself. 
So he came back to his original disciples. You would have thought they were happy to see him. Watch what happened in verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Read this with me. But some doubted. Can you imagine the same men who walked that life for three and a half years with him, who saw him do miracles, who saw him go into the grave. Now he's back again from the grave. And some of them doubted. How can we apply this practically? Don't let the natural man override the supernatural man. Jesus died for us to, to have life in the spirit. So don't live below your ability. Don't let your natural carnal mind rule your life. This is why we are big. Let me tell you something. When some sins come, I just look at them and laugh. Because when you understand your position in Christ, see, the Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So I'm not looking up. I'm really looking down. So really, when you're looking down on something, it has no dominion over you. Watch verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them. What's the next two words? Come on, read it. Come on, class. He says, all power is given to who? To me. Where? In heaven. When he died and he accomplished what God wanted him to do, God said, now, son, I'm giving you all the power you need in heaven and on earth to do what I need you to do. And then when you've done what I need you to do, give it back to me. That's what he was saying. And this is what makes it powerful right here. That's why Jesus said, when you want something from the Father, he said, talk to him, but you got to say my name. Because I'm the only one right now that can write the check. Y'all ain't listening to what I'm saying. It's about Jesus. And this is why don't just use his name lightly. Because God, every time you say Jesus, is ready to write a blank check. And you and I are privileged to have that name at our access. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to use it. And that's why the Bible says there is no name in heaven and in earth that's greater than the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Listen, it says in heaven and in earth there is no sickness that the name of Jesus can't heal. I don't even care if they haven't named it. It says every name that is named well, before his name, guess what? Jesus can fix that. So as I do this series, you're going to learn. It's not just going to be a, a, a scary message on dying. I'm, I want to give you a concept because, see, some of us think we're ready and we're not. You know, because there's some things you need to have in place before you die. You got to have some paperwork in place. Hello? You got to have some personal relationships straight. You got to have your personal relationship with God straight. 
How many learned something today? If you did, give the Lord a hand clap right there.